go. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. I am Just Beagle. Mike Sutherland. All right. This week, we are going to be talking about Bad Times at the El Royale. All right. Feature film uh, by Drew Goddard, who uh, I think normally he does uh, a lot of television work. So, anyway. All right. Get into it. The film opens in 1960 when a man enters a hotel room, and he pulls up the floorboards, buries a duffel bag, and then he is shot and killed. Ten years later, in 1970, a Catholic priest named Daniel Flynn... Uh, a singer named Darlene Sweet, home supply salesman Laramie Seymour Sullivan, and a hippie named El- Emily Summerspring arrive at the El Royale. Sullivan explains to Father Flynn and Darlene that the El Royale, which straddles the California-Nevada N- border, had been a bustling hotel until the previous year when it lost several permits. They meet the hotel's only employee, Miles Miller, and book their rooms. Upon checking into the honeymoon suite, Sullivan, who in reality is an FBI agent named Dwight Broadbeck, sent to investigate the hotel and remove evidence of their operations, discovers a passageway leading into a corridor looking into one-way mirrors in each of the hotel's rooms, as well as a 16-millimeter camera setup at the end of the hall. Broadbeck witnesses Father Flynn pulling up his floorboards and Darlene practicing singing, before watching an apparent kidnapping in progress in Emily's room. He is instructed by his supervisors to not interfere with the kidnapping and to instead sabotage the guest vehicles to prevent any of them from leaving the hotel. Meanwhile, Flynn, who is staying in the room next door, overhears Darlene singing and invites her to join him for dinner. She sees him drugging her drink and knocks him unconscious with a bottle, running out of the hotel to to escape. Miles, whom Sullivan had seen earlier that night, passed out in the maintenance uh, closet in a drug-induced stupor, finds Flynn, and believing him to be a priest, asks for absolution for his sins. He reveals to him the secret passageway, explaining that management has instructed him to film certain guests and send the footage to them. However, he chose to hold back one particularly incriminating film reel of a recently deceased public figure, which he has hidden in the closet because the subject was nice to him. Against orders, Broadwick attempts to rescue Emily's hostage, who is revealed to be her younger sister, Rose. Emily opens fire on Broadbeck, killing him and accidentally injuring Miles, who was watching from behind the mirror. Darlene attempts to escape in her car after witnessing the murder, but Flynn arrives and asks to talk. He reveals that he is really a criminal named Donald Doc O'Kelly, who was imprisoned after a botched robbery ten years earlier. He now has been recently freed on parole, and O'Kelly has returned to the El Royale in priest garb to retrieve the money which his brother Felix had hidden there before being killed in a double cross. But owing to his failing memory, he can't recall which room it was in. He had attempted to drug her to gain access to her room, believing the cash to be buried there after he could not find it on his own, or in his own room. Darlene agrees to allow him to search her room in exchange for half the cash. In the lobby, Emily and Rose, having discovered the corridor, interrogate Miles about the surveillance operation, while Emily weighs whether or not she should kill him. It is revealed that Emily has forcibly removed her sister from a cult led by Billy Lee, a charismatic and sadistic figure responsible for a string of murders in Malibu. However, Rose reveals that she has already called Billy about their location and that he is on his way to retrieve her. As O'Kelly and Darlene attempt to leave with the money, Billy Lee and his cultists arrive and hold them hostage along, along with Emily and Miles. While interrogating and terrorizing the group, Lee discovers the money and the film Miles had hidden, which he realizes is worth much more than the money. In a sadistic game of roulette, Lee kills Emily and threatens to kill Miles, O'Kelly, and Darlene. Using a brief power outage to his advantage, O'Kelly attacks Lee as the hotel lounge catches fire. During the chaos, 
Miles reveals that he served as a sniper in Vietnam who killed 123 people. At Darlene Sweet's insistence, he picks up a gun and kills Lee and the other cultists. A distraught Rose stabs Miles, but is shot by O'Kelly. As Miles lays dying, Darlene urges O'Kelly to absolve him of his guilt over his actions in Vietnam and at the El Royale. O'Kelly and the Sweet and Sweet retrieve the money, and Sweet tosses the film and ledger book page with their names on it into the fire before the pair flee the hotel. Not long after, Sweet performs at a show in Reno for the crowd, as O'Kelly proudly looks on. All right, <coughs> that's that. That's an entire movie in a nutshell. But what that whole synopsis does not capture is the essence of the film, which is uh, that there's a very good tone that's set in this movie. Uh, it's very uh, the very tense. Uh, very intriguing. Uh, the beginning of the film is is very well done. The entire film is very well done. Um, I see what some of the critics were complaining about. Um, most of the um, most of them um, praised the you know the entirety of the film, except for they thought that the film ran a little too long, and um, and that the movie wasn't as grand as it tries to be. And I, I don't you know what I actually disagree with the length. I I actually understood why the length was why the length was the way that it was. It, it, it helped you get more into the, the whole tense, the tension of the scenes and, and to, and also to get into the main characters. And there's really in this film, if you think about it, there's really only two characters to really care about in this film. I mean, technically you could care about John Hamm's character for a minute when you, you know, hear him talking to his kid on the phone, you know, actually shows that he has a, has a heart. And then when he tries to break into the room to save the, to save Rose, um, but, there's not, I mean, he, he still checks out pretty early, you know, pardon the pun, <laughs> but, yeah. um, but, uh, but yeah, but this movie, the, the, the main characters of this film above anyone else are, are, uh, Jeff Bridges character and, um, and Cynthia Erivo's uh, character, Darlene or sweet. Uh, they, um, they're those, yeah, the movie centers around them more than anything else. And I think that that, that's one of the problems though, when it comes down to it is, um, one of um, my problem with the the movie is it tries to make you care about other characters, like say um, uh, Miles's character. Right. And the problem is, is that by the time it reveals his past and everything, right at the end of the movie, it's too little, too late, in my opinion. I didn't give a fuck about him until right before he dies, and I didn't really care anymore because it the whole time it just shows him as this this jittery junkie milkweed. Yeah, you know who's. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, yeah, he's just like this little yes man, this, uh, twitchy little fucking weirdo, you know? Wallflower. That's <laughs> yeah. the word I was looking for. Yeah, it was kind of like um, uh, Anthony Perkins in Psycho, in a way, you know? No, uh, I have to disagree with that mm. one. I, um, I was watching this thing on AMC. It's the it's Eli Roth's History of Horror. Oh, I thought you meant it was commercials. And that too. <laughs> <laughs> and and. They did slasher. They've done slasher films, part one and part two, yeah. and a couple of others. Um, I'm not a big fan of Eli Roth's horror movies. Nah, yeah. I'm not a big fan of the Saw franchise, things like that. Now, I'm not saying he excels at gore, but that's about it. I'm not <laughs> saying that those movies are terrible. What I'm saying Turtle. is, is, is I, it's not my cup of tea. No. So you know, if people love that stuff, they love that stuff for a reason, and I mean, there are reasons why. But uh, I'm getting off the point. Anyways, in part one, they were talking about the introduction of the the slasher, the the the, the serial killer like Jason or Michael Myers. Yeah. But they started off with Alfred Hitchcock talking about Psycho, 
and they they have all these other they have actors and directors that are also that talk about these movies and how they influenced them and whatnot. And Psycho is considered the first slasher film, although he he doesn't fucking take out a ton of people. Yeah. But if you watch Anthony Perkins as he's talking to Janet Lee, Janet Lee dies forty minutes into the movie. Yeah. Spoiler alert. I know. <laughs> it's only been like 50 years, but... Yeah. But she dies 40 minutes into the movie, yeah. and when he's talking to her, it's amazing how good of an actor he really was. Yeah. Because, I mean, we we focus on the now. We focus on the movies that are that are out, you know, in the last 10 years, and, you know, we, we also talk about the movies that came out in the 80s, but, you know, nobody really talks about the actors and the movies that came up before. So when when that's going on is you're watching Anthony Perkins and he's he's as he's talking it's natural it's a natural thing he yeah he plays a wallflower he plays this this um he he's an intellectual but he's um inhibited no in, introverted okay you know um and, and obviously yeah he's a shut in um obviously he, he's a mama's boy <laughs> yeah that's where I was going with it thank you and. And they, as time has gone on, they've tried to make characters like him. Yeah. And they just don't, don't work. Like this Lewis Pullman guy, um, he plays um, Miles Miller in the movie. And I can't, here's where my expectations of the movie kind of went away. Because um, I had high expectations for this movie uh, based off of the trailers. Um, and there's two things. First is Lewis Pullman who seems awfully young to be a sniper in Vietnam. Oh. Because this, this is supposed to take place in 1970. Yeah. Supposedly. I, you know, 1969, 1970. Yeah, and we didn't go over there until 65, <laughs> right? Uh, we, no, we were there for a long time. Yeah. Uh, before 60. Okay. Um, when, but that's a whole history lesson that I don't want to get into. <laughs> All right. Um, long story short is we were there to help the French because there was something going on. And there was a massive battle, and then we just stayed after that. Charlie was battle. being an asshole. Well, not necessarily. France was being an asshole, <laughs> but I just wanted to see Charlie. Charlie turned into an asshole. Yeah, and was fucking brutal with us. Um, he, he he's in reality he's twenty five years old. Yeah. Now the war at that point had been going on for fifteen years. You know, whatever you want to call it, a police action or a war or whatever, has nothing to do with anything. It had been going on for almost 20 years at that point. 15 years, 20 years, okay? Uh, because the French, French were there. We had to come in and try to save the French and then all that other stuff. So <coughs> when all that is going on, now, if, if he's supposed to be, I don't know how old he's supposed to be in the movie, Let's say he's 30, but he looks too young to be 30. He looks almost 16 years old. That's how old I thought he was, 16, 18 years old. Yeah. You know, so whenever... Bad casting. Yeah, whenever the draft happened, and whenever they started pulling kids out, you know, after school, after high school and stuff like that, if you're not going to college and whatnot, the, he is... If they had a guy that was a little bit older... Yeah. You know, then I can understand... I... I my problem with it is that you have one kid that's running the hotel. Yeah, he's too green, and he's too afraid. He's too doing, and it's there's not enough. There's not enough there. There should have been someone else. Yeah, with him. Then that you know who who is um, a bad influencer. 
you know? Instead of just the excuse of, oh, things have gotten slow in the past year because of, you know, restrictions and stuff like that. Right. It, yeah. And I was waiting for that to happen. I was waiting for the, the second person yeah. to be at the hotel to pop out somewhere. Yeah. That's a bad influence on this Lewis Pullman guy, you know, who buys him the drugs and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. I, I, and I don't have a problem with him being a, a, a veteran. You know, he could have been washed out because of PTSD thing like things of that nature yeah and that's fine and the heroin thing kind of fits yeah and my problem but my problem is is that if he felt too young yeah if you had an, a little bit older of a you know a, of a actor to play this role it would have been a little bit more believable but I, the way that he he played it was almost perfectly you know yeah um when he freaked out when he saw uh, uh father flynn yeah. You know, and I thought when he did that, I thought he recognized him. I thought he knew him. And it wasn't the whole I, I need salvation type yeah. of thing. And that and that and that whole entire plot right there in and of itself worked perfectly. Yeah. I like that. That was that was good. He is the son <laughs> of Bill Pullman. Yeah. I didn't know that shit. I just thought he had this the same last name, you know. No, he looks he looks like Bill, so He's got that same nose. In fact, as soon as I saw Lewis Pullman, I'm like, oh, that's Bill Pullman's kid. <laughs> it was like instinctively I knew it. Yeah, okay. Um, he's, Chris, uh, yeah, real life, he's 25 years old. Yeah, I just said that. So that means they filmed this, say, a year ago. So he's 20, 24 when they filmed this. Right. Um, Chris Hemsworth's character was okay. Obviously, it's a ploy. It's a pull at um, uh, the Marilyn Man- um, Manson. Marilyn Charlie, uh, Charles, Charles Manson yeah. stuff. Um, and, 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 and that was fine. Um, he seemed like he was having fun with the role. Yeah, I, I think what was going on is, uh, did he also direct? Yeah, he directed it. So Drew Goddard was trying to do a Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. And this is what happens when you try <laughs> to to mix a couple of genres together. Mm-hmm. And I like the titling. I like the title cards. <laughs> I, I It just felt like... Well, there's a lot missing. And the second part of my whole, my whole, what I didn't like about this movie was at the beginning when you have um, uh, Nick Swartzen. Offerman. Offerman. Yeah. Sorry. When you have Offerman show up at the hotel. Yeah, Felix. And he gets gunned down by that guy. Yeah. Right? And then the guy disappears. Yeah, that guy never shows up again. Like, like why didn't he show up to try to find the money himself? Or- right. Why didn't? Yeah. Why? Where was he when um, Doc got out of jail? I would assume that it was a cutting room floor thing because the movie's already two hours and twenty one minutes. I know, but that's kind uh, of important. Yeah, I agree. It, it is. Um, and you know, it's funny that you brought up the the something missing thing. That's my first complaint about this movie, is that there's something missing from this film that keeps it from being great because it has elements of greatness there. But there's just something missing that keeps it from getting over that. Like to me, this is a three star movie. That had so much potential to be a four-star movie. Oh yeah, um, the entire last act where where Hemsworth shows up with his with his gun-toting po- posse. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I, I I you know in in just prior to that when um, Swede is trying to escape. Yeah, and she knocks out Flynn with the yeah you know, with, with the bottle. I did not expect that. You know, and he th- and he wakes up thinking he fell. Yeah, you know. I, and I didn't expect it either. That, that took me by surprise. Yeah. <laughs> um, or the John Hamm thing, you know. That well, that's all. That's all third act stuff. Yeah. You know, and I, I didn't expect. I, I didn't expect John Hamm to get shot. Yeah. You know, um, and I didn't expect 
I I didn't expect the whole thing to play out the way it played out. Yeah. With the, the I mean I I mean I I expected Hemsworth to show up. Yeah. And capture at least you know two or three of the people. Mm-hmm. But the way that it played out played out pretty good. Every time that um that Aravo uh would sing in the movie, um when she once she got to the hotel, mm-hmm. I kept waiting for her to get killed. Like I kept because it would every time she sung it was long. Right. You know, and it was like that build up. And it just it never happened, which it was great because it still built up the tension, especially that scene um, where she's in the room trying to cover up the sound of when Bridges is digging into the floor. Right. That was a really fucking good scene. Yeah. That, I mean, that was just magnetized. I was just I was glued to the screen the whole time that was happening. You know. Do you know that um, originally they were? Uh, this is in the fucking trivia, but originally they tried to get Beyonce to play her role. Yeah, and I'm not a fan of Beyonce. Me neither. I think she's way fucking overrated, dude. Yeah, um, and and I, I I like that they use Cynthia Erivo. Um, I don't think any other person would have worked. Yeah, that's that's a. I mean, if you look at all the actors, actors and actresses, let's call them actors like Rihanna or or Beyonce yeah. or um, any anyone that's that's kind of a you know a talent, both singing and acting. Yeah. Um, I don't really think anyone could have pulled pulled that character off. Probably. Well, I think because Beyonce is way too attractive anyway. Um, I think that by using someone like Erivo, she looks very, she looks um, a touch above standard, and I think that worked better with her character because how you could tell she had to be um, how she had to play through this system with with the record produce the greasy Rick record producer and yeah. and um and then the jobs that she's had and stuff like that and how I mean how he says you're going to you know end up singing it in Reno. Right. Is that what you want? And well, then she's singing Reno. Yeah. And then that's what she ends up doing, right? Yeah. And in 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 by a touch above normal. I mean, she hasn't had she doesn't look like she's had any work done. You know, she hasn't had her skin fucking dyed. Yeah. You know, um she She's wearing a wig throughout most of the movie. Yeah. Until at the end where she finally accepts herself. Yep. And that makes her actually it makes her more beautiful when she does that. Yep. Um it, because it's an it's a more natural thing. She's not thin, you know, she's she's average, you know, body body type wise. Yeah. And 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 that's what's great about her character. That's what's great about her is that she when when she took this role, she fits that 60s um Oh yeah. Uh, uh, the Diana Ross kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I was gonna say Pointer Sisters, but it's not Pointer <laughs> Sisters. But yeah, yeah. it's you know, uh, um, um, wait a minute, Mister Postman, whoever yep. it does, <laughs> The Temptations. Yeah, yeah. Th- this is her first um, uh, big screen film that she's done. She's done a lot of Broadway work or theater work. I'm sorry, not Broadway, but theater. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, she's gonna be in that new movie called uh, Widows with uh, Viola Davis. That's oh right, out okay, the, yeah, pretty soon. And I look. I when I first saw the trailer for Widows, it looks like a decent movie. And she's like, "Oh, there's the actress that you know. You don't know that actress. You know the, all the other actresses, but not her, right? Right. Kind of like when you watch Set It Off or whatever else. And then now that we've seen her in Bad Times, I'm like, "Oh shit, she's gonna bring you know. She's gonna bring some flavor to uh, yeah. to Widows if we if we do see it in theaters. You know. She's also she does Broadway. She made her debut in 2015. Yeah. Uh, uh, for the color purple, reprising her role as Celie Harris. Uh, next to Jennifer Hudson, mm-hmm. um, she and you could tell by her singing that she could hold she could hold a you know a close case next to Jennifer Hudson singing. You know, I th- yeah, she won a Tony, so there you go. Yeah, <laughs> um, she she was also in the last five years and uh, performed God Only Knows at the 59th Annual Grammy Awards. So um, 
she's uh, she's 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 a special talent, and uh, I think that she um, she's who is the girl um, the the really big girl that won the Oscar. Um, uh, well, there's Jennifer Hudson. She won the Oscar no. for Dreamgirls. Um, the really big girl. Yeah. Uh, How soon we forget? Do you um, large, very very large woman? Did she? Uh, let's see. Uh, Patricia Arquette. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> She's been gaining weight. No. Um, oh, God damn it. Uh, oh, you're talking about Octavia Spencer? Thank you. Okay, yeah, she was in Shape of Water. Yeah. Yeah. I always remember the first time seeing Octavia Spencer was in Spider-Man 2002 when she was at the wrestling match, and she's the one that asked him, you know, she has him sign the waiver, you know, before he can wrestle. Precious. Oh, that's Gabrielle Sidibe. Gabrielle Sidibe, um, she's also on... Um, she was on uh, Coven of uh, American Horror Story. Yeah. I forgot where we're going with this, but <laughs> well, singing wise, I, I, I we were talking about singer, but um, you know, actress. Um, Gabrielle Sidibe was nominated for an Oscar for Precious, but she's never won. But That's Octavia what? Spencer has won. She's been nominated more than once as well. She yeah. was nominated for I, I can't remember. I think she was in The Help and a few other things. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I forgot where we're going with it, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, th- this movie. Yeah, I wish that there was that some that missing thing that that would have taken this movie over. But I'm glad it didn't go the other direction because when I saw the trailer for it, I really liked it as well. And I'm like, oh, this movie could be really badass. But then I thought, oh, well, they're going to fuck something up. They're just going to have some stupid twist or something like that. And it's going to be, it's going to look good on, on a, on a trailer, but not when you see it on the screen. And instead it wasn't, it didn't go the dumb route. It, it never, the movie never gets, it never gets bad. You know, it just, just it just had that something holding it back that kept it from being great. Yeah, and I and I think part of it is is that we didn't need the whole background with Chris Hemsworth. Mm-hmm. The only background that we really needed was when he first meets um, Rose. Yeah, you know what Oops. I, you know what I I didn't even think about that until you mentioned it. But you're right. Even though I, I think I didn't I didn't realize it is because the cinematography with those scenes when it when it shows him. Was really well done when he's walking through like the the what was it like a poppy field or whatever? Yeah, and and all that stuff. It was it was very uh, captivating how how um, well it looked. So um, oh, god damn, one inning to go. Or, I'm sorry, half an inning to go. <laughs> so um, and uh, yeah, it, it was um, but yeah, you're right. It, I guess it, it didn't need to focus as much on him as it did. It would be better if it had just showed him just show up and. And then you, you know, maybe, maybe the beginning when he, the part where he walks up to uh, Rose when she's a little kid and he, on the beach or whatever, and he talks That's to her. That's what I just said. That was That's the only thing you needed. Yeah. There you go. So, um, sorry, I got distracted by the fucking Dodgers game. Um, I'm sorry, the Red Sox game because Dodgers are losing. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you're right about that. It's, uh, they should have uh, spent more time, I don't know, with uh, the Miles character or something, but, but then there's the problem with the Miles with the, with the age thing. So, yeah, I, I think that it, it, they should have done something where you had um, another guy that worked at the at the hotel that was um, you know another on-site manager or something. You know that like he could have been some scuzzy piece of shit that ends up walking into the wrong room at the wrong time or something. You know something just to show that there's someone else that runs the place besides Miles's character. You don't even need to show him walking into the wrong room at the wrong time or anything. He's a fucking he's he's a scumbag mm-hmm. and he knows all the secrets. So why would he even do that? That's, I, that's what you would do. I just picture something in my head about like him showing up in his fucking drop top Cadillac with two ugly 
prostitute skanks and he just thinks the room's unopened, you know, because he's he like, no one ever comes here, so fuck it. And he just storms into one of the rooms like, oh, shit. Yeah, see, but that's... that's <laughs> or, or, you, or you could do, like, the creepier route where he's standing behind a fucking mirror and he's sweaty with glasses, on, you know, creepy glasses on and shit. And You don't even need to do that. You, you, you're missing the huge point here. It's owned by the government. Mm. It's run by quote unquote management. Yeah. So why don't you just have him be a fucking a scummy G man? G man. Yeah. He says very little. You know. He's 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 just the hotel manager. Yeah. No one's no one rarely sees him. You, you the only time you see him is when he's walking to a door and he opens the door and closes it. Yeah. It's usually just the back of his head. <laughs> You know, yeah, or just a reflection of him in that in that mirror. Yeah, a little right? is more. Yeah, yeah. You, you just that's that's all it is. He's he's a shadow. You know, you know when Miles walks back into into the office and you hear murmuring, right? Yeah, and then he comes back out and you just see a g- brief glimpse of him or his hair, or, you know, just like the left side of his face or yeah. the right side of his. It doesn't matter what side the door opens. You just see a glimpse of him in a gray suit or whatever. Yep. Right. Or or. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and that makes him even creepier. Yeah. You know? Because all, all you're seeing is just his shadow. You know, obviously something bad might happen to him, and, or he's in it with this Billy guy. You don't know until, until all is said and done. Mm-hmm. And even then, even then, he just walks away from the whole thing because it's just easier to do it that way. That, this movie is missing that type of element. Yeah. This... this the, the, and, I, and I think that, you know, what it comes down to is they kept talking about the whole, this is run by, you know, I send it to management. Yeah. It goes to management. Well, but management isn't there. And that's what it's missing. It's missing that that, that creepy vibe. Yeah, I mean, they, by sending John Hamm's character there, it's almost like implying that uh, that it was um, like, like like as if the El Royale is like, like a million miles away from anything. Right. You know, well, at that it, point, <laughs> you know, it really was. It's in the middle of fucking California, Nevada. Yeah, but uh, halfway it, to Tahoe. But I mean, still, it, it's. I mean, they have they. You know, the FBI has offices everywhere, right? They can't have people stationed in San Sacramento, or you know, it's or the '60s. I don't know how they have it handled. Yeah, so it's a different time in a different place. But yeah, I mean, even though it's Reno, though, you know what I mean. It's still it's not far from Vegas. I mean, you know, drive wise, it's like it's a, an eight hour drive. So it, it's. It's a six-hour drive. It's a six-hour drive anywhere in California at that point. But to send Ham's character out there, it, it's almost like like they've never they haven't been there in years. They don't know what the fuck's going on, kind of thing. They, they kind of seemed out of like that's what it felt like off. Yeah, yeah. So I think that there is a touch of lazy writing in the movie, or um, not fully fleshed out writing. Yeah, it's just if, if again, I mean, we're both on the same page. Is there's something missing from this movie? Yeah. And that that missing thing is the creep, is the creepy feeling that something, I mean, really bad is going down here. Yeah. And that that this Miles guy isn't you know just the only one that's here. There's there's something else. There's someone else here. Yeah. And he's just kind of keeping tabs on the operation. Yep. Yeah, I think that that, that this movie also reminds me in a way of Hotel uh, Artemis, where um, that was another good movie that. Um, could have been better. Right. And that movie was missing a little something as well. But I think this is a better overall movie than Hotel Artemis. Um, but uh, both movies, I, I'm glad that they had interesting trailers and the movie still, for the most part, delivered. I enjoyed it. I mean, yeah. 
there there's very little about this movie um i mean i'm i'm not like hating on it mm-hmm. I, you know it's just it's it's missing it's missing that vibe yeah. there's something about this movie that's missing that vibe and when i go see a period piece i'm i'm looking for vibe well i know it wasn't the music that was a problem because the music was really well well um well placed um even though there was a couple soul songs that I didn't really care for, it still fit with the with the time period and everything. That right, they, what they were going with, and and I loved all the set designs and everything. But yeah, it, I think there should have been more focus directed in other places, and then the movie could have been better. I, I have a feeling though, man, if this movie has a hundred and forty one minute runtime, I wonder how much uh, well, the extra he filmed of this shit before uh, he had to cut it down to that. You know, because right. so hold on, so. Is this movie memorable? Yes. Will it stand the test of time? Um, fuck. I I don't think it will. Is it quotable? No. Pop culture status? No. I no. Yeah, it's just another one of the. It, it had potential, but uh, is it the the blazing saddles effect? Is it multiple viewings rewatchable? No, no. But it, it's it, yeah, it is. It is a good movie. It's. It's in the top half of the movies we've seen this year. I guarantee that. Okay, quality, which you just said. Yeah, very um, well shot. Very well shot. Uh, emotional attachment. Um, I there is a little bit. I, I cared about um, Jeff Bridges' character a lot, especially the more he talked, the more you got you, the more you you started learning about his character. The more I started to feel sorry for him. I and, felt the same way about John Hamm's character, and, and then he died, and I was pissed. I know, and then there was that too. Once he started talking to his daughter on the phone, I'm like, oh, he is not, maybe he's not a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, right. It was so. Yeah, yeah. It's um. So there is, there is a, there is um. It did, it did delve into um, um, into it. Gra- it grabbed uh, some emotional attachment to it. Yeah, nostalgia effect. Um, not for me. No, because it's not my era. Fuck. It, it, right, it doesn't matter if it's your. It doesn't matter if it's your era or not. Is there? Is it? <laughs> does it have a good nostalgia effect? Does it pull you into into that time? Oh yes. Absolutely. Okay. So is this a good movie? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Should you see it in theaters or buy it on DVD or both? I think you should uh, definitely theaters. Um, DVD? Um, you would have to be a fan, I think, to buy it on DVD. If I, if, I'm, if I was someone that was like fucking ranting and raving about it like a Tarantino film, then yes. But yeah. I wasn't. I, was, I, I, I liked the movie. I thought it was good. But yeah, those... I, those elements kept it from being great. So I, I think uh, you have to be a cinephile to buy this on yeah. DVD. So um, I'll tell you what, I will, I would show interest in the DVD or the you know, Blu-ray. I always buy Blu-ray now, but I would show interest in home video. If there's um, a director's cut that adds more to this film than what we've already seen, maybe I'll be interested. I'll just go with that. All right. Let's hit some trivia. All right. So uh, Chris Hemsworth had to lose 25 to 30 pounds of muscle weight immediately after Infinity War um, when it wrapped so that he could star in this film. Uh, I, I don't won- really care. I don't wonder. I wonder. Well, I could tell that. I mean, it was weird. He was still in shape, but he was not fucking Thor big. So I was. Uh, how do you lose muscle weight that quick? I mean, look, I know that you have to work eat. out a lot to maintain that shit, that size. You just lift lighter weights and eat a different. Um, yeah. Uh, a mixed balance of food. Fuck, dude, your body. I mean, goddamn, your body responds to certain stimuli really, really strong. I guess when you're that big, if you don't keep doing that shit, it just you just shrivel up. Yeah, I, <laughs> who cares? I don't. That was a useless piece of shit trivia. Yeah, this one's more interesting. I I wanted to mention it because of um 
because I noticed it when I saw him. I was like, how did he get that small? Um, the El Royale is based on the famous Cal Neva, 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 Cal Neva, Cal Neva Resort and Casino that was once owned by Mr. Frank Sinatra. Uh, Drew Goddard's process of selling the script was under heavy secrecy, only sending it to top studio execs. Potential buyers had to read it on a tablet and then return it when finished. Assuming the Nixon press conference shown on TV is happening live, or earlier that day, the film takes place on January 27th, 1969, even though other things we read says it takes place in 1970. Right, and here, here's the problem. Uh, there'd be snow on the ground. Yeah. So... Oh, well, absolutely. It was, it was cold. It was rainy. So You're right. You're right. I didn't even think about that. I would think that if this is going to take place in 69, it's going to take place um, uh, like in October. Yeah. Or something like that. Closer to 1970 yeah. than anything else. Yep. All right. So um, Russell Crowe was originally cast in a role. He dropped out and was replaced by Ham. Um in the movie, it's called the El Royale. Actually, it's both a motel and a hotel because hotel rooms are uh, where the hallways are on the inside and motels are where the hallways are on the outside, um, where the access doors are. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, this one right here. All right. Based on the state divide down the middle of the hotel, the El Royale faces south. All right. And I had to think about that for a second. I'm like... It doesn't feel like it faces south. It feels like it faces east-west. <laughs> um, Chris Hemsworth's character, I don't need to read about that Manson thing. We already, I mean, that's, yeah, we that's, talked that's about obvious. That. Um, the hidden role of film is said to show an affair of a well-respected dead senator. I don't remember them ever saying senator. I just remember they were saying a big to-do, you know, a big person, a big public figure. I don't remember them ever saying senator in the film, by the way. As the movie takes place in 1969, it is most likely in reference to Bobby Kennedy, who was assassinated in 1968. Specu- speculation. <laughs> Read that. Look at Speculation. It says spectaculation <laughs> of John F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King Jr. are also possible. Spectaculation. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like uh, an extreme orgasm for a guy. Um, however, JFK died in 1963 during the hotel's prime and MLK's love affairs had already been taped by the FBI and the film was shot one year prior to the events depicted in the movie. Yeah, but it doesn't necessarily say that this film was shot. The film in the movie yeah. was shot one year prior to the events depicted. Yeah. They never even mentioned that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's an assumption. Yep. It was it, the hidden role of film is said to show an affair of a well-respected dead senator. Look, <laughs> this movie takes place at the Cal Neva. Mm-hmm. Who was at the Cal Neva during that time? You just fucking read it. Um, it was uh, it was uh, Kennedy, John F. Kennedy, and Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. They, and and there's rumor that she actually died at the hotel because she died a week later. She yeah. was at the hotel and she died a week later in her home in L.A. Mm-hmm. There's a rumor that she actually died in her hotel room, and that the week later thing was because they were transporting her back and transporting her like a hearse with ice. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the rumor. Oh, God damn. Oh, that'd be a really suck if the car broke down. All right. Um, all right. During the heist, uh, Doc mentions meeting Felix in Rockland. You noticed that shit. I yeah. remember that. Um, that's That city is a suburb of Sacramento, is on the most direct route from Stockton, where the robbery takes place to Cal Neva, the real life inspiration for the LRL. Yeah. Um, um, it's you, not necessary. You can take 50 to, to fucking. Yeah. He and, will, and in fact, that I believe. Um, if if you really want to get into it, mm. that was the only way to get to Tahoe. You couldn't go up eighty. Eighty stopped. There was you could take forty nine, mm. but there was no eighty. Eighty didn't go through. Uh, eighty didn't exist until nineteen eighty. Literally, 
huh. or a 78 or some shit like that. It was prior to us moving in. Yeah. I mean, the high, the, the freeway literally fucking stopped at Highway 49. Huh. And then you could take 49, but 50 was the most direct route. Okay. Um, <laughs> I noticed in the movie that uh, Jeff Bridges' uh, priest character was named Flynn, um, which, of course, reminds me of Tron. Because um, he played Kevin Flynn in Tron, right. um, but I, I mean that was just weird that he would play a character named Flynn. Uh, you know what? Um, the, I read the goofs of this film as well, and it stated that you can see mountains in the Stockton scene, scenes of the robbery at the beginning of the film, or when they do the flashbacks. There's no, you can't see mountains from Stockton, and then also um, there was snow on the ground, and it never snows in Stockton. Yeah, that was kind of weird, um, but it does snow. It has snowed down there, yeah. but it's again different time, different place. Yeah, you know what? I, I it's I should have noticed that because I we live close to Stockton. And I've been there plenty of times, but I watched. Um, there's a show called I don't even think it's still on anymore, but The Mentalist. I used to watch that with my grandma, and that show's set in Sacramento. And I remember when I used to watch it with her, they would have certain scenes where it would say filmed in Fair Oaks, or the, you know, say set in Fair Oaks yeah. or set in. And there's one that it said that they were in um, Citrus Heights. And there's this fucking mountain in the background and shit. I'm like, there ain't no fucking mountains in Citrus Heights. Get the fuck out of here. Like, you guys are full of shit. Mm-hmm. I wonder, yeah, that, I wonder it's got to happen a lot for people that, that are, are from certain areas and then their, their, their area is shown on a movie or TV show. And they're like, that is fucking bullshit. That ain't there. You like, mentioned the mentalist. Yeah. I used to watch Psych. Okay. <laughs> and uh, my favorite part of Psych was when. They would fucking hammer on other TV shows. Uh huh. If I can get. Here's the thing, Robert. The thing is this: I am a psychic. We work for the Santa Barbara Police Department. We've solved over 47 cases. I'm also a pharmaceutical rep. If that means anything to you. You've seen The Mentalist, right? Yes. It's like that. Except that guy's a fake. Right. If I was a fake psychic, it would be eerily similar. Exactly the same. A virtual carbon copy. My dad would love this. Yeah. Too bad he's not talking to you. You should have just gone on the camping trip. I'll make it up to him this week. I'll head over there for dinner, bring him a pouch of Big League Chew, maybe watch a couple episodes of The Mentalist. Be fine. Silence! Be gone, Satan! Inventor and master of all deceit! Be gone! You know what? (laughs) Carson D's got uh, Simon Baker on tonight. That's can't miss, okay? So I'm gonna go. You guys can keep exercising. I want all the glory for solving Jules' case. Besides, I'm the one that does this. Wouldn't it be weird if you did it all of a sudden? I think it's weird when anyone does it. I think it looks pretty sweet when Simon Baker does it. Simon <laughs> Baker doesn't do it. He doesn't? No. Huh. Well, at least we have that. So- I hope this doesn't affect Gus and I's chances of enlisting. Son, I'm not sure what makes either of you think you're Army material. I have two words for you. Army. Psychic. I'm giving you first shot before I pitch it to CBS as a television idea. I, I still don't get the connection to the ice cream truck. I think Sean did. I made checking his history to see what his most recent web searches were. Mentalistspoilers.com, billyzane.thumbnail.hair.com. Listen, you ask me, I think your profile needs some sprucing up. Sprucing up? Well, yeah. You seem sort of middle of the road. I mean, who lists the mentalist as one of their favorite TV shows? <laughs> you need to get more spicy. Why would you do that? Why would you make fun of the mentalist? I, I don't really. I'm serious. Why would you possibly take a shot at that show? I, I've never actually seen it. Okay. Well, check it out. <laughs> I'm sorry. Damn, it's I'm constant sorry. jabbing. I, was fucking... I, I had to do that because the mentalist came out after Psych. And, yeah. And they were pissed about it because I think they pitched it to uh, 
the network that had it. And mm-hmm. fucking, I love Psych. Psych's a great fucking TV. I, you know what? I, I've never watched it, but uh, <laughs> you know, maybe I'll, I'll check it out eventually. How many seasons do they do? Seven. Okay. It's just like Monk. I, uh, I've heard a lot of people say Monk is good, and I, I've never really watched it, so. There's a lot of shows I gotta catch up on. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um, Psych is is just a is a comedy, goofy comedy. Yeah, and it's it's got a lot of fucking um, uh, uh, guest stars and shit in it, mm-hmm. really good ones too. Yeah. So all right, I think the only USA show that I can think of off the top of my head that I watched was uh, Burn Notice. Ah, okay. So all right, um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I give this sh- uh, movie, I'd say, uh, I'm I'm going between a seven and a seven and a half. Almost. I'm I'm there, I'm six and a half or seven for me. Yeah. Um, it's like I said, it's missing some stuff. It's not a bad movie. No. Um, it, I, for some reason it's not doing well at the box office. And even the, even the, the, the lackluster stuff in this movie isn't bad. You know, this movie never does anything horribly bad. Right. You know, so I, I, I just, I think that, um, the, the backgrounds on all the characters takes a little, little too much time. Yeah. Um, it's only needed for some, mm. not all. Yep. You know. So what do you think uh, John Hamm's character was going to have to be ordered to do after he, um, if he hadn't have been killed? And he's and probably going to have to kill Miller. Okay, because um, yeah, I mean it was because uh, it, it just seemed weird. Like like they have him, you know, deactivate, you know, dismantle everybody's cars, or you know, um, so it's like where the fuck are they going to go? So well, no, he they didn't have him do that. Did, oh, he did that on his own. Did he? Shit. Okay, never mind. Never mind. Okay. You know what I I'm basing it off of just reading the synopsis and it said that they that they ordered him to do it. But you're right, right, I don't remember them ever telling him to do that. They said just get all the info or some shit. Don't no wait, they, they said on the phone, don't let them leave. I, I believe the uh, his, no, uh, his, uh, that's his not what he, that's not what they said. What they said was leave them alone. He it's said not don't, our problem. We said don't interfere with the with the with the kidnapping, but they said also don't let them leave. No, he no, we didn't. They did not. They said do not interfere. Ah, all right. So Management has instructed him to film certain guests and send the footage to them. However, he chose to hold back one particularly incriminating reel recently. Um, against orders, Broadback attempts to rescue Emily's hostage, who is revealed to be her younger sister, mm. to not interfere with the kidnapping and to instead sabotage the guest vehicles to prevent any of them from leaving the hotel. That was never put in there. He did that on his own. It was, he was told by his instructors to not interfere. Do not interfere. <laughs> Anyways, doesn't matter. All right, so yeah, this, I do. I I didn't. I mean, when I when I was watching the film and it says do not interfere, he and he instead decides to sabotage the vehicles and interfere. He's going against orders. Hmm. So I do. Um, I highly recommend this movie. Um, you should see it in theaters before it's completely gone. I think it's almost gone already because it didn't make a whole lot of money. Right. Um, but Drew Goddard is a good director and uh, he's a he's a good writer. You know, look. Even this writing, even though it's not it's not Tarantino great, it's still better than fucking Colin Trevorrow. I'll tell you that. Hey, I mean, he created the the Netflix series Daredevil, so yeah. Um, and he also directed um, Cabin in the Woods, which was a very good uh, horror film. Unfortunately, he wrote World War Z. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> God damn. Well, he's working on X Force right now. Yeah, I don't see Cal. Oh, there's Cabin in the. Yep. So, um, yeah, I mean, the guy's got potential, you know, and uh, and we'll see what what else he uh, decides to bring to the table later on. Yep. All right. Well, look at, I mean, look at, he wrote for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which fits because um, uh, one of the executive producers for Cabin in the Woods was Joss Whedon. Right. So, all right. So, yeah, um, 
check out the Bad Times of the Royale because I think it's uh, it's definitely worth seeing. Yep. So, all right, uh, is that all we got on this one? Yep. All right, that's all we got. So fuck off. All right. All right. Bye. Fuck off.